0: Today is all about putting this virus, this epidemic, this pandemic into context. When I trained as a virologist, it was during one of the pandemics, the HIV pandemic. And if you remember, we didn't know what caused this disease. And as I sit on the board of a hospital, we have to make plans for epidemics Be they seasonal influenza, or when you hear of something like COVID-19. I like to think of it like a hurricane that's coming. You can see it on Doppler radar, but for most on the coast, they see sunshine. They might ignore warnings to evacuate, because they can't see a hurricane. They just see another sunny day in paradise. COVID 19 seems to have come out of nowhere. And it seems now we are in a panic mode because we're closing schools and sporting events and large gatherings of people. But it isn't because the virus is going out of control, infecting everyone. Context. So today, when your kids' school say, hey, they're now home for a few weeks. It is okay to panic, but not from COVID-19. It's okay to panic because now you got to find something to do with your kid. My name is Dr. Terry Simpson, and this is Your Doctor's Orders, dedicated to busting myths and spreading science virally. COVID-19 Part 2, Flattening the Curve. Watch a movie about a virus pandemic, and they have the same plot. Some germ, which comes from space or a lab accident or is mutated, infects some scientist, then infects everyone they're in contact with. The germ spreads quickly, and there is always a control room, which kind of looks like the Situation Room in the White House. Some movies, it might be that. And in the room is a map, and the map is showing this virus spread, and a map turns red with contagion before your very eyes. In the population, there is massive chaos. People trying to flee into some safe zone, and always guards trying to keep them in. Sometimes they're trying to flee to another country. And then, this is my favorite, there are the people in the biohazard suits. They kind of look like clones from the Clone War. I like to call them bunny suits. So before you get too much fear when you see these people in biohazard suits, think of bunny tails on the back of them. Those faceless people rush to the area, usually with guns. Of course, the decision is always, do we nuke that high-density area of virus? And of course, at least one hero is infected and usually gets the vaccine at the last minute. Unlike the beloved minor character, gets infected and dies. Kind of like the Red Wedding. If you like them a lot, they die. This is what most people think about when they hear the word pandemic. Now, let's go to reality. Pandemics happen. They happen a few times every century. The last one, was the H1N1 influenza virus, known as the swine flu. H1N1 emerged from Mexico in about April of 2009, maybe before. And by June of 2009, it was declared a pandemic. By the way, unlike the memes you may read from some of those people who are trying to justify what Trump does, President Obama declared it a public health emergency in April of 2009, at which time there were just 20 confirmed cases in the United States. When Obama addressed the nation about the swine flu, or H1N1, the disease was just starting to spread. In the end, there were 60 million cases in the United States over the year, with 275,000 hospitalizations and 12,000 deaths. The new viral sensation seems to be not COVID-19, but people who are becoming social media stars, like the Twitter sensations, offering dire predictions based on mathematical models. The more dire the prediction or mathematical models they have, the higher their follower count becomes. And sometimes they get picked up by some blog, where they repeat that and they become well-known as someone who's an expert. But to be clear, not only can't science predict when pandemic will happen, you cannot use a mathematical model to determine how that virus will affect your country or your city. For those keeping score of pandemics, 41 years before the swine flu was the 1968 Hong Kong flu, but killed half a million people in the residents of Hong Kong. You know, the CDC and the National Security Administration monitor infections worldwide. They are looking for the next pandemic or potential cause, and they see them all the time. The first line of defense is to contain any virus. That's what was done with SARS and with MERS, which, by the way, are also coronaviruses that cause severe lung issues. In the case of COVID 19, containment was not successful, nor will it be successful in the United States. So, why are we canceling sporting events or March Madness? And why is Disneyland and Disney World closed or the Princess Cruise Lines canceling their ship tours? Does that really help? Is it because it's worse than they're telling us? And by the way, why is my nine year old now out of school for a few weeks? It is not because there is a tremendous rise in coronavirus that we don't know about. The theory is that by decreasing public events, gatherings, sporting events, we will change the spread of the virus. It's all a part of an idea that originated in 1918. The theory that if we keep people distant, you heard social distance, that we can so-called flatten out the curve. So hospital systems are not overwhelmed with a large number of people getting the virus. You can imagine this. One sporting event, a bunch of people randomly in there, and all of a sudden now you have 100,000 people potentially infected with a virus, all of a sudden going to a local emergency room or hospital, some of whom are critical, and you stress the hospital system in that area. The job is to decrease that surge of cases so that local hospitals can handle the volume. We see this every year with influenza. Hospitals face the same issue. If there's too much influenza that hits a community, the hospitals are strained to capacity. For those who remember the H1N1 pandemic, in 2009 hospitals set up tents outside of their emergency room to manage the many patients who would come in. While the number of cases are declining in China, which is where the virus originated, and the number of cases are going up in the United States and Europe, the good news is this over 95% of the people who were infected in China have recovered within two weeks after the height of that virus. Eponyms and epidemics. It's wrong by the way an I'm immature to call covid-19 a foreign virus it's a virus it has no nationality it is not carried by immigrants those who brought the virus to the united states weren't poor immigrants but often upper middle class people who were on vacation on a cruise ship or they brought it with them on an international flight the spanish flu so called spanish in 1918 why it was named after the only neutral country which, by the way, didn't have much of a problem with that horrible influenza. It's a notable that in 1918 that horrible flu wiped out many villages of Alaska natives. And is a reason why Alaska had so many orphanages, one of which was the Jesse Lee Home in Seward, Alaska, where my dad was raised. In the history of the United States we have had pandemics. But we never seem to learn the lesson about how to prepare for them. And this is more than a budget item. It's an item about personal hysteria. Watching for various infections requires vigilance and persistence, and all in the medical community anticipate there will be more. So let me go back to the good news. In six weeks, China went from a few cases to 80,000 cases. Two weeks later, 95% recovered. If we follow this pattern, by mid-May, we'll be over the worst of this, but it's kind of hard to say. We'd simply know that most people recover within a couple of weeks. And the whole purpose of all of these closing schools, movie theaters, sporting events, is not because there's virus out there going wild and we're worried about that. It's to decrease the spread of potential virus by decreasing density of population. You may have heard, personal space is the new hug, which, for which I'm thankful I'm Norwegian. I mean, personal hugs aren't things we do. But let me ask you this. Have you ever thought of why Italy and Iran and China have so many more cases than other countries than, let's say, the U.S. or Germany? It really all has to do with the density of the population. In Italy, Where my good friends live, they live in the newer section of their town, of Dieva de Peco, where their home was built in the 1600s. That's the newer section. The houses are all built one on top of another. The density of that little town is huge. Of course, it's miles before you find another town. Density of population has a lot to do with the spread of the virus. It's spread by the air. So by doing these events, by decreasing the events that are done, we're decreasing potential spread of the virus. So that if it hits your town, and it probably will, it's not going to hit with so many that your hospital system is going to be overwhelmed. So many that we have the situation that they have in Italy where people have to die because they don't have the equipment to take care of them. It gives the medical community and the industrial community servicing the medical community time to rev up to get all of the things that they need to handle the population that's going to come. And the other thing it's doing, if we can put off this virus for a couple of more weeks, we increase the days of sunshine and that fragile little virus that can kill you. That fragile little virus, the more it sees sunshine, the more it sees heat, the less likely it will spread. And the more people are outdoors enjoying things instead of indoors communicating and coughing on each other, the better it will be. So context, the virus is here, it's going to stay for a while, but we're hoping that we can prevent overwhelming our hospital system. Don't panic because of the virus. It isn't the virus there that caused your school to be closed (laughs) and my nine-year-old to be there. Panic because you need to find something to do with your kid. Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Doctor's Orders. Let me tell you this. Want something to do with your kid? Teach them how to cook. Get them in the kitchen. It's good for you. All right. While I'm a doctor, I am probably not your doctor. And you should always seek the advice of a trusted medical physician. By the way, just because you have a cough doesn't mean you need to get tested. We don't have enough testing kits now. Hopefully, by the time this podcast comes out, that will be remedied but don't worry about it. Right now, the plan is is that if you're asymptomatic other than a cough and some lung problems, stay at home. Quarantine yourself. How do you take care of yourself? Stock up on a little food. Take care of the person as if they had the flu. You can wear a mask if you want. In fact, if you're caregiving, we recommend that you wear a mask so the rest of you stop hoarding the masks and take care of them as you would as if they had a bad case of the flu. This podcast is a part of the Your Doctor's Orders Network. It's produced and distributed by our friends at Simpler Media. My executive producer is the talented producer girl from Producer Girl Productions. You can follow me on Twitter, where the in, more information about this virus and updates and my snarky tweets are available where I'm at Dr. Terry Simpson, Dr. Terry Simpson. Until next time, don't drink the water, drink the scotch, don't hoard it, leave some for... Us doctors. Hey, Evo. Got any toilet paper I can borrow? I'm kind of running low here, and when I say running,